Hey guys, it's Ben. Thank you for checking out this message. If you want to hear more messages from Catalyst Church, just search Catalyst Church of Carrollton on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We hope this message speaks to you, encourages you. We hope it builds your life. We hope it builds you. We are for you. The best is yet to come. And if you want to give or donate to what God's doing here at Catalyst Church, you can go to IamCatalyst.net slash donate. The best is yet to come. We love you guys.
situations. Like they can afford the entry, whether my husband likes me or doesn't, all times. Although I like him or not, because I got some lies in the place. I know mine's like this. I mean, you don't like him. At least I ain't about you. I don't like him. David says, I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless play hard. If you came to the entry today and you were still the essential child who's struggling and skeptical, I hope that you leave with a felt good today. This is why we do what we do that time. David says, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. And he will answer you. I ain't getting closer to God than you. We just are. We all seek him. We all grow up. He freed me from all my fears. This is David writing. We'll show you this is long before David became king of Israel. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. All my negative folks in the room, did you see that? All my church people that you were negative all over the place. And I'm going to tell you something that says those who look to him, when you're looking for him, you're radiant with joy. Not negative and pessimistic and petty. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I pray. And the Lord, and the Lord listen. So listen to you too. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Not just David, not just Ben, all who respect him and take him seriously. He will surround and guard you. If they put you on the bench, he will lift you up eventually if you will trust him and take him seriously. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Just try him. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, David says, his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. Every one of us fails. Those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Lord, right now, just pour out, pour out, Lord. Pour out, fill us up. Fill us up. Fill us up in Jesus' name. Amen. Get your seat and remind your neighbor it's Ben's birthday. that is above all and affects all. Every part of my life, whether your experience with me, my experience with life, there is one thing and it has changed my life and it will change yours. And you can write it down. We ain't putting outlines in any bulletin anymore because I like it that everybody's taking notes. More than even talking to me, I love when you look at that right because if you want to write those down, it's changed my life and it changed yours. If it's not the main thing, it is not my priority. Has applied to every part of my life the last few years, and I will tell you, it continues to deepen. And every year, I think I get there, and God shows me that I ain't even close, but I'm getting closer. If it is not the main thing, it is not my priority, and I'm learning to shift my focus and not be distracted more and more by the year and the season. God loves me. Faith, hope, and love are the main things. That's what Paul said. God loves me. 
He loves me a lot, and I'm learning and growing and expanding in my magnificence day by day by day. He loves me. And I want you to say that over yourself right now when I count to three, because I want you to say it in unison, and I want you to say it loud. One, two, three. God loves me. That wasn't good enough. One, two, three. It's funny, you'll talk a lot louder about your neighbor than you will yourself. One, two, three. Next year, when you remember that when your kid pisses you off and hurts you and leaves you and don't want to be in BFF because they don't think about that you live their own life and don't push them off. Remember, it's the only thing, it's not, it's the main thing, it's the only thing. That wasn't good enough. One, two, three. Because you were not as miserable as it used to be. 
It's hard when you actually consistently come to church and commit to the process and decide that I'm not going to be flaky. My family's not going to be flaky. With or without me, I'm sitting in a seat. I'm engaging. I'm going to seek his presence. That is when stuff gets real. It is when stuff gets real. You can't get harder outside of the box. And David started killing some giants. Or he killed one. That's all it took. All it takes is making a couple of them. One. King Saul saw the king David. King Saul was the king before Israel. King Saul saw David kill that giant. He began to send his brother into the band. He saw him step by step, decision by decision, because sometimes it just takes a few minutes and you start the dirt starts building that he starts moving a little bit faster. A lot of times the first few steps are the most important, and then people start seeing it. King Saul saw this man grow. He saw David growing into the man and the king that he said to be. He didn't like it. King Saul wanted to put out the fire in David that burned out and come along with him. Because a lot of times, miserable people actually most can't, for the most part, like any miserable person that is choosing to stay miserable, uh, miserable people don't like people that don't want to stay miserable. They don't because it's a mirror. See, King Saul looked at David, he had to see the kingdom. He chose to stay stuck and continue down this path of bitterness and, and all this stuff and anger and sin and all that stuff. See, when you look at the, who you could be and the man that you should have been, it is hard when you want to stay there. And so King, King Saul, Saul died. Somebody who's not growing doesn't like to be around people who are growing. I want you to know that. See, people who are confident, excuse me, people who are confident, People who are inside the boat like people to be inside the boat because they don't have to give them much to think about and, and really show them and then see the fact that they are sailing inside the boat. So you don't like people who are challenging to get outside the boat. See, King Saul put head on the fire to get too close to home when he saw that. So he did everything he could to put that fire. He came out, tried to kill him. Tried to kill him. When David was a hero, he killed a giant. The man who saved Israel became a fugitive. Remember them like that? People were like, man, I just like, I just, I'm like, I was just like, because I said, most people in your life is when you don't hurt the right They don't look at what you did, the fact that they're where they are because you invested in them 10 years ago and you believed in them when nobody else did. But that's neither here nor there. Here's the thing is, is that David went overnight. He was declared a fugitive. He had to run for his life. He was so desperate. He was so desperate to hear that he ran to enemy territory. Philistine territory, by the way. Philistines was the nation that he beat for Israel by killing that giant named Goliath. Could you imagine being so desperate that you don't that you're everybody in your hometown, in your home, they put you out and you run to the people that actually probably hate you more than they do? He barely got out of that by the skin of his body. He barely got out of that line. Matter of fact, the story goes that he pretended to be insane so that they wouldn't see him as a threat. You ever lost yourself and got so messed up in the season that you just completely acted a fool? He literally acted a fool. 
I love the Bible. It speaks right now today to you and to me and to your neighbor, to everybody. The man literally acted a fool. You ain't proud of it. I got some humans in the building. I got some hands. Have you ever acted a fool? You ain't proud of it. You lost yourself in a season, a situation, and you really did some foolish stuff. I tell you, I got two hands up. Because I ain't got enough hands to put it up. Or how many times I did it, but I'm still do it. Because I'm as human as you. David literally acted a fool. He got out of that situation by the skin of his teeth, and he runs for his life to a death. By himself, alone, nothing and nobody. And this is where many scholars, most scholars, believe that he wrote Psalm 34, the one I just read to you. He did not write it at the top, he wrote it at the bottom. He did not write it as king. He wrote it years and years before he became king, and at the beginning of about 15 or so years of pure hell and trauma. He did not write this from a place of experience, he wrote this from a place of faith. He wrote this not when he got the promotion, he wrote this when they demoted him. He didn't write this when he got the news that he got pregnant. See, we like to focus in high moments, we like to focus in our testimonies, but the reason that David was able to experience Psalm 34 as king is because he truly believed it and didn't settle for anything less in the day with nothing in their life. Psalm 34 was not in the context of what we, what we teach, preach, and quote. He came up with these words alone. The worst season of his life where there was no signs that anything was going to change but the faith he had. Psalms or the book of Psalms, or how many people have in our Bible, a lot more than one. Psalms or some are poems, and this is what's called an acrostic poem. Listen to me, because the Bible speaks today, the principles of it, and all. An acrostic in Hebrew is the same as an acrostic principle in English. The beginning of every verse starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 34 is an acrostic poem. The reason that the psalmist, like David and Asaph and some of the others, the reason they wrote acrostic is to encourage learning and memorization and make it easy to memorize. Because if you don't feel it and you don't see it and you're struggling to believe it, you never stop saying it and speaking it over yourself, over your family, over your future. And when it's inside of here, and it's just, and you, and you spit it out of here, and you never give up in here. That is what an acrostic's purpose is. Psalm 34 was David's declaration. It was not something that he ever knew, or he didn't know the details. He just said, God, this, God hadn't freed him from all his fears, like he said. God hadn't saved him from all his troubles. He wrote this pre-king, pre-Saul, pre-Saul being the pre that is set up in his life that we've seen would have never happened, but, but how he handled himself in this case alone. Hmm. Hit me like a ton of bricks when I read the commentary this week because I was just like, wow. Wow. I will praise the Lord at all times. That's what it says. I'm praying for you. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will praise the Lord in the past. I will 
praise the Lord, even though I just took 10 steps back, and they, they hurt me, and I ran into an enemy territory, like you, you got, you got heartbroken today, you got heartbroken in the marriage, and you were 45 trying to date like you're 25, and you, and they, it didn't work then, it's the reason you're divorced now, and we always revert back, all of us. You're so hungry to get your daddy's approval. To prove to people that you're worthy. We do it all the time. David made an enemy of himself just like we did. And he said, I will praise the Lord as all, at all times. I will praise the Lord when I make a fool of myself. I will praise the Lord when, when everybody looks at me and my reputation has been ruined. I will praise the Lord with a criminal record, with a low test scores. I will praise the Lord when they cut me from the team because my parents can't write big enough checks to get me on the team. The big check writers may not play better than me, but their kids play more than me. He says, I will praise the Lord at all times. Whether I take 10 steps back, whether life takes me 100 steps back, I will praise the Lord. David could praise the Lord as king because he could praise the Lord in the cave. He says, his praise will continually be in my mouth. Not just in my heart. We have, American culture says that your spirituality and your faith and, and, and things like that should be more of a private matter. There's not just a separation of church and state. There's a separation of spirituality and your public life and how you live your life. Because King David, or avoiding this King, Cave David. How about let's call it? This is Cave David. I just made that up, but it's true. Cave David said, I'm not, his praises are going to be in my mouth, not just my heart. Yeah. He, when he learned this in a cave, he danced in the streets as a king in his own abundance. And people, his own wife held resentment because everybody knew David was a womanizer. You read the Bible five minutes, you know he's a womanizer. His wife knows he's a womanizer, but it didn't stop them from praising in the streets. Everybody can question his motives and say, I know what he's doing here. I know what he's at the altar. But he wrote in a play. He didn't have anybody to impress. He said, his place is going to continue to get my mind. Lord, you think, man. No. He says, he says, those who look to him for help, not to your wife, not to your husband, not to your job, not to your success, not to whatever you think you should be or do, not to, he says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy, not pessimistic and petty, and all the world's just a terrible place. These, all these woke folks and old folks and, 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 and these preachers that wear jeans and a shirt and let everybody in their church act. No, not, not the old people that are rigid and they, they think they know everything. Not to look at these young kids. Look at the alert. So, don't look at your social media thing. Listen to your conversations at the dinner table. But it, David said from a day, his world did fall apart. It was all falling apart. In a day, he says, no. It was a declaration. It was something he was saying from faith. It wasn't what he was living in. It's what he was believing for. And he says, those who look to him for help are radiant with joy. He says, no shadow of shame will darken their faces. Shame causes you. It darkens your whole life. Shame, shame is why you beat yourself up about your mistakes. Shame is why you can't see straight because you were your greatest crucified. 
Shame is why shame is why you go through shame is all that hate that you project on everybody else. Everybody thinks, oh man, they're just bitter, man. They hate themselves. It's the worst kind of hate. It's easy to forgive everybody else. It's hard to drop it when you know that you've been crucifying yourself with it every single day. Because when his mercies are not new every morning in your life, you crucify yourself every morning. No shadow of shame will darken your senses. That means you won't cover up like Adam and Eve did when they were shamed. You won't live intimidated and in, intimidated and insecure. You will walk in the boardroom, the classroom, the school. You will, you will interview for the job. You will ask her out, ask him out. You will do whatever you do with your head until the because you know the main thing is the main thing, and his love is the main thing. And when it's the main thing, you grow and expand, and your child will change your life. It's changing my life. Not only changing, it's continuing to change it. That is what we transform into. But he says that God surrounds and defends. It's funny. He doesn't just say that. He doesn't just say defend. He surrounds you. And defends those who fear him. The word fear there is a, a great reverence and respect. You take him seriously. He says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. I know that this season is good. I know that it may not be good tomorrow. This ain't a quick fix of the things you're going through and some of the things you bought on yourself. And honestly, other people bring them life is not fair. That's why it's great to teach your kids that now. By not treating them fairly sometimes to teach them. He says, Even strong. Okay, how young you are, fat you are, smart you are. I don't care if you can do it better, bigger, faster than everybody else. He says, You may go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord, he's saying this from a cage. He is a young lion, but he is a beat down lion. He is a lion with his last breath on life support in ICU. Some of you have been there. You've been in ICU fighting for your life. I know because I know you. Even strong young lions go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord, they just says, David made a lot of mistakes, but he never lost sight of wrong. If he did, it wasn't for wrong that got wrong. David was anointed by God, was called by God and anointed by Samuel to be king. But it would be about 15 years of pure failed trauma, running, living in caves, before he would actually come. Since it was a long season. I know that some of you right here right now, you are scared as hell. You're lonely. You don't know how to process this stuff in your head. You barely hold your head above water. You barely hold your family up. You don't even know where the next whatever it is you're looking for is going to come, but you're not just looking for it. You have to have the survival. He also wrote Psalm 47. It's changing. I didn't know. I don't know why, but now I should know. I didn't know he wrote Psalm 47. Something that we quote here all the time. He didn't write this as king. He wrote Psalm 23 later on in life. From a mature perspective, but he wrote Psalm 47. 
running for his life with two salt on his face. There was no sign, nothing to show that, that things were going to get bad. All he was doing was surviving so that he could have stayed with his Changes the context of everything the preacher is saying. The Lord is not hiding my salvation. So why should I be afraid? He's asking himself a question. He is terrified. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. He's running for his life because they're nipping in his heels. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. This man is speaking from a place of faith. He's got nothing to be confident about as far as the circumstances surrounding me. The one thing I ask of the Lord, here it is, the man that is. The one thing I ask of the Lord. The thing I seek the most, the main thing, the only thing, it wasn't to be king. It wasn't for Saul to be taken care of and for him to get some relief in his life. The one thing, the only thing, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in He said, the only thing I want, the only thing I ask for, God, is your presence for you. Not for a moment to share not for a blessing, not for a break, so not to catch a break. He says, God, the only thing in, in this cave season, he's in, he says, there's only one thing that I ask for, God, your presence. Don't ever leave me. I hunger for you. Yeah, I'd love, a, I'd love a wife. I'd love some relief. I'd love, I'd love to get, get some debt paid off. But he says, the one thing I ask, the thing I seek the most, the main thing, is your presence. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary, in his presence. That's where he hides you. Because people can be all around you and, and they, everybody's trying to undermine you. You want to get your spot in and you don't let, but he will hide you in his presence. And people may see you, but they can't touch you when you're in your God's presence. He will place you out of reach on the high rock. Reminds me of Peter. It was a Peter for sure. He said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time He will get you out. King David said, "Generations before He will place me out of reach on the high Then I will hold my head high above my enemies as you come at His sanctuary, in His presence. You see this? It's not about leaving anybody; it's about His presence at His sanctuary. In His presence, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music." Never stop praising. You see this? He did his king because he could do his cave in a cave. Hear me as I pray. Oh Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say. He didn't say my ears heard it because you don't see or, or hear nothing. He says, My heart, my faith has heard you say, Come and talk to talk with me. And my heart responds. My heart responds. Lord, I don't have enough strength to say it. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. Oh, oh God of my salvation, even if my mother and father abandoned me, and they did, he didn't have a mama and he didn't have a daddy or nothing, that he neglected him, didn't see him. He says, even if my mother and father 
should not have put your head through that wheel. He says, the Lord will hold me close. He said it after daddy left his, his spiritual father, his mentor, King Saul, was quite blind and turned on him. And he said, the Lord will hold me close. And he didn't say that in victory. He said that running in the cave by himself. Teach me how to live, oh Lord. Lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. Your bad never been gossiped on, slandered on, cost you friendships, dates, whatever it is, cost you jobs. He said, they begin to be said, with every breath they threaten me with violence. And here's the verse that I quote all the time. But the context of this is he didn't say this as King when he had to the Messiah. He didn't say this when he got to the top. He said this. He had nothing, which is why he was faithful when he had everything. Came alone, nothing but faith alone. Yeah. I'm confident that I won't see the goodness of God. Yeah. I won't see the Lord's goodness. While I'm here, no man will hold me. I will live and not die. I will come out of my grave. And he says one last thing to us. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes. Wait patiently. You better say it right now. Say, God loves me. God loves me. Jesus is enough. He is enough. Say it right now, just like somebody else said it. Say, Jesus is enough. He is enough. He loves you. His love is enough. It's enough. It's enough. Your life may be complicated, but His love is not. You don't have to understand his love. I don't understand Angie's love. I have no idea why she thinks it's worth it to put up with my crap and keep coming back from all of a smile. But I don't have to understand it. I'm not going to push it away. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful she's mine. I'm grateful she's as extra enough that she can handle my extra. You don't have to understand God's love. God adores you. He saw Israel just piss away everything in the Old Testament, but Jesus still came, Emmanuel, God with us, to make a statement to Israel and all of us. He is not afraid. He loves the stuff that you're afraid of, ashamed of, that you can't wait and have an incredible body because you're covering it up, because you're ashamed of it. He is not afraid of it. The stuff that you pretend and put on and you look put together and your brain is pretty, pretty somebody, you're very intelligent and confident. He isn't afraid of the stuff you're afraid of. He loves you, and I want you to say it back out to three. Say, He loves me. One, two, three. He loves me. He loves you. That is the main thing. It has changed my life. It continues to change my life. It continues to reel me back in when I get away. God adores you. And we are going to really see it in this Christmas series starting next week. I'm going to prove it to you. And we're going to learn to adore Him. I'm telling you guys, we are going to see the glory of God this holiday season like we've never seen before. Because He loves you. I don't like surprises. I like looking forward to things. I'm really not a surprise person. I like looking forward to things. And I 
what's up? Are you guys leaving after the holidays? I wanted this just to write this jaw dropping sentence, and I wrote like three of them. I did. It just didn't sit well with me. Finally, God just really convicted me a lot to just felt like He put on my heart and just said, Why does it have to be jaw dropping and new and fresh? And that's how we do it. So, New Year's Eve, I challenge you to begin to repair the way you want to start with because we always say we want to start tomorrow. And that means you ain't really ready to start. And we're going to start a series New Year's Eve, and we're going to run it through the beginning of January called KISS 2024. KISS is an old military statement from the 60s keep it simple, stupid. And we are going to lay the groundwork. For the goodness and glory of God, not just in this church, that we're going to see the next year, but in your life and family and any part of your life that you will not allow love of God to just hold it in this hand. Let somebody say, He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You may have to make some sacrifices this Christmas because you're broken, but it ain't your last Christmas. He loves you. Take your neighbor, just pat him on the shoulder, say, He loves you. Young couple, young couple, you may not have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, but I'm going to tell you, he loves you. Do not go weary and well doing, for in due time you will reap a harvest that you do not give up. He loves you. Thank you, Lord. You're single and lonely and you're looking for somebody to spend the rest of your life with. Listen to me. When Isaac finally got with his wife, Rebecca, came into town, the Bible says he was meditating in the field. Quit panicking, quit trying to get a date. Seek his presence. Do what Isaac God put Rebecca in his lap. He was meditating the field. You keep on seeking the Lord right now and quit looking so hard to take him away from us. I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. Because he loves you. You've been hurt. You've been hurt. They left you. They mistreated you. The teacher and coach said you never make it. You, until now, have never considered the fact that you can make it. Whatever happened to you, it's painful. I did it. I do. Your last church burns you and you swear you're never going to do church again because it just keeps happening the way it keeps happening. You hate yourself because you made mistakes that cost a lot of damage and wasted a lot of years. Paul said, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, you can't carry this and go to the next You can't carry this to the next level and go there. Tell your neighbor, say, he loves you. He loves you. It's the only thing that matters. He loves you. He loves you. Whatever you live in, whatever you keep in secrets in the closet, and you go, and whatever it is in your life that you won't tell anybody, your spouse told you, and the insecurities in your individual, and the things that you truly get, whatever it is in your life. King David said, Thank my mother and father, and I just need to save me. It was a lot better in my brain. King David said, Even if I may not break and tell, you will defend me. The Bible says he is the lifter of your head. He loves you. You may not have a daddy to lift your head. You may not have a daddy to lift your head and nurture you. You may not have a mother who is nurturing to lift your head. 
The Bible says he is the lifter of your head. The Bible says his faithful love is better than life itself. Who says that? Go look it up in Psalms. It's the truth. Say it over your life right now. Say he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Jesus is the bone. Can you heal me? Oh, Jeremiah asked the question, is there a bond in healing yet? Oh, yeah, Jesus is right. He will restore your home. He will, he will restore the years. He will rebuild your home. He will restore the years to take the one of the power everything that was stolen from you. There is a bond. Tell somebody right now, say, keep the main thing, the main thing. We say that a lot, but what is the main thing? A lot of people say that. What's the main thing? He loves you. Say the main thing right now. Say, he loves me. He loves me. Man, you jump up on the front of the stage, come up here quickly. Some long seasons. They look different than yours. They look different than David's. I've had some extremely long seasons. I've had some seasons where it was just like, well, I've heard, I never thought that I would really, I never thought this would be what my life was like. Then I've had some seasons that look like this and it all fell apart. <laughs> I've had seasons where I was thanking God on my birthday. Thank you, God, that I made it. But I was more from, I was, I was thanking God from a place of faith, not experience. And I'm telling you, God has given me some experience now, which is why I'm a little more bold than I used to be. Because I've seen what He can do. I've seen His grace. I don't deserve it. David didn't deserve to be out of Philistine territory, but He did. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve to be standing here right now. Come and tell you, He loves you. And there have been seasons, and as I get older, I'm a big sap. I'm a big sap.
We hope today's message spoke to you. If you want to know more about Catalyst, you can go to IamCatalyst.net. And we'd love to have you in the room one Sunday. God is for you and so are we.
We'll see you next time.